Welcome back to our Total Sense Bite Size episodes. I'm Tom Hensky, and I'm here to help parents teach their kids about money. Welcome back. I started to wonder about how financial advisors talk to their kids about money, meaning they're so tired at the end of the day they come home. Do they really have the energy to keep it up and talk to their own kids about money after they've been talking to clients about it all day? So my guest today, Tarek Elrafai, I randomly met on LinkedIn. This is one of those LinkedIn love stories, right? Where he posted something about teaching his kids about money. Someone in my network, they reposted it. And it turned out that now we're having this conversation. He's from Ontario, Canada. I'm going to let him talk a little about himself besides being a financial advisor. So Tarek, welcome. How are you? Uh, thanks so much, Tom. This is great. Thanks for having me on. This is fantastic. So can you give everyone the one-minute infomercial on who you are? Sure, yeah. So I'm a financial advisor up here in Canada, in Ontario. I've been in, in the business for probably 10, 15 years. Um, I was in consulting before that. Uh, basically, I have a practice, it's a business that looks at dealing with corporations, high net worth families, helping them with their cash flows. You know, the everyday, how much money do you need to keep your lifestyle going? Um, and what investments we can make for you to ensure that your lifestyle will be met for years to come. Um, so that's basically what I do in my day-to-day -day job. At home, I've got uh, three healthy, uh, hale and hearty kids, uh, two, two, two teenage boys, 17 or 14-year-old and 15-year-old, excuse me, and a 12-year-old daughter who keep us busy around the house. So I don't know if it's like in your house, do your kids think you actually know something about money, right? Because you're a financial advisor, but they they either need proof or no matter what amount of proof you gave them, they're not going to believe that dad knows anything about anything. It's, it's a constant eye-rolling conversation. And I'm sure anybody with kids can attest to, right? You, you know, I heard it. I know I don't need to know that stuff. And it's, and it's, all, it's always a challenge to put in perspective for them. I, you know, like my dad and my mom did for us. You know, you never gain the appreciation of thing until you're out on your own trying to scrape a couple of dollars together. And food is you know, this overarching conversation we always have in our house. Well, I want to go out for food. I want fast food. I want to I want this ice cream. I want this. I want that. So food has always been this ultimate conversation that where I think in our at least in our household, where finances and our children sort of start to understand there's, there's a limit on what you can can have and what you can eat. Right. And get access to Okay, so then I, well, let's just jump right in. Grocery, sure. It's called the Grocery Challenge. That's what you called it, right? And I don't know if that's a self-made up name or you found it online, but tell everyone, what is the Grocery Store Challenge? Uh, so again, I, full credit goes to my wife. So my wife is a teacher. Um, and in Ontario this past year, they just passed um, a financial literacy course at the elementary school level. I believe it's just being rolled out in the curriculum. So full credit to her. Um, it was this constant conversation we were having in our, our, our kind of monthly budget meetings at home about how much we're really spending on food. And, you know, that coupled with the constant refrigerator door opening, you know, the huffing and puffing of the teenage son and the closing the door and suddenly hearing there's nothing to eat in the house, dad. Like, so that was getting, getting me to a boiling point. I've got some stats we can talk about in a couple of minutes, but Really, it was just the behaviors within the house. They were driving me nuts. There's always nothing to eat, although sandwiches and deli meats aren't considered real food in our house, right? Everybody has their preferences. And so my wife woke me up one morning and was like, I don't know if she'd been reading an article about financial literacy or whatever. She said, she said, Tarek, I've got a great idea. 
let's give the kids a budget. And as well, she actually said, Let, let's have the kids buy their own groceries for a week. And I immediately said, no, I said, you know, three kids uh, buying their own groceries is just going to quadruple the amount of money I'm spending on a weekly budget, you know, for groceries as it is. And what are they going to eat? Donuts? Like it was this, you know, this conversation we had. So, so we set some parameters. She said, how about we, we set a budget. They can't exceed that budget. Um, they're responsible for their breakfasts and their lunches and snacks. Um, we'll buy the usual staples. So there'll always be oatmeal if they need oatmeal, you know, uh, there'll always be eggs, but they, they, they have some allowance within there to spend their money for the first week. And let's take them to the grocery store and see what they can come up with. And so that's essentially, that became this grocery challenge that we had. Each child was allocated a portion of money, um, asked not to exceed it. We did go with them to the grocery store. My wife was very adamant, you know, they understand the, the basic food group conversation and they don't just buy chips and donuts and all the fun stuff that they want to get. Um, and so we took them to the grocery store and it, it's actually been very interesting. I think we're on week four, but there's been these sort of reflective exercises of, of understanding over the past four weeks that have gone on. And it's, it's, I hope, I hope it's educated them, but it's definitely educated me about what kids are capable of doing. Once you set the parameters and give them, really empower them, give them opportunities to go out and find, in this case, groceries, which is what Well, I had to laugh because when they said there was no food in the house, <laughs> what they really meant, there was no junk food in the house, right? <laughs> and that, that's what it was about. Okay, so take me through, were yeah. the kids uh, reacting and playing the game the same way? Were, was one struggling and the other striving? What were you seeing between the difference between the kids? Yeah, so we've got a 17-year-old boy, a 15-year-old boy, and my daughter's 12. So she's the youngest of the three. And immediately, it was very interesting. My 17-year-old loves to cook. He is the chef of the house. He creates his ramen noodle soups. He's very big production whenever he, he makes meals. He immediately went to sort of the raw meat aisles and, you know, the large non-processed food areas to create his, his meals. So he invested a significant portion of his first budget in some ground meat that was on sale. And his understanding was, you know, his thinking was, and we asked him after and said, you know, my thinking was I could prepare this meat and have it last me the entire week and add it to pasta sauces or, or different dishes along the way. So he spent a lot of his money in that sort of area. And then he did kind of pick up some ramen noodles and some other sort of uh, quick, quick prepared sort of items as well. So he, and he didn't really buy any fun stuff as he would call it. Um, my 15 year old was very much about getting the cereal he wanted. He has to start the day with a cereal that he really approves of. So he spent, you know, I think a third of his budget because we set the budget $25, just so everybody knows $25 Canadian. Um, he, he bought a family size pack of cinnamon toast crunch. That was his be all and end all. He had to have the day start with that. Um, and then, of course, you know, the rest of the stuff he bought was very processed, food oriented stuff that was easy to make. But he did think a little bit more about stretching it throughout the week. And then my daughter, um, my wife was, you know, hand holding her throughout the thing. My daughter ended up buying a lot of fresh produce. She bought kale. And she wanted kale for snack. Um, and she, she brought a lot of like not ready to go stuff for her, which was kind of interesting, too. So. You know, that was that was their $25 expenditure each. Uh, they came home um, and then we got through the week. And what was really fascinating, first of all, for me was those there's nothing to eat exclamations disappeared. That was not heard in the house. So that to me is a win. I mean, for $75, I got, you know, a little bit of peace and quiet around that. 
Right. Can you imagine that if I if I told you, yeah, it's going to just cost you seventy five dollars to not hear there and complain. <laughs> okay, I, I, the listeners that we have on this show, they're saying, wow, I'd pay seven hundred fifty dollars for that one, not just seventy five dollars. So yeah, go I, ahead. I couldn't help that one. Go ahead. No, no. You know that to me was like that was worth its weight in gold. I think that that's that's the thing. But what we also noticed was. Uh, you know, there was very little waste. So in the past, we've maybe bought something for the kids. And like you said, all the fun food goes first. And then what's left over, they kind of pick at it, maybe an apple here and there. It depends on the kid, right? But they really ate only what they purchased. And I don't know about you and university life, but I always had to put my food on my name on all pieces of food. So my roommates wouldn't steal it. But they had a good system going where they allocated cupboard space and wrote their names and they were you know, adamant about policing each other's use of their food. So that seemed to go really well. They ate everything that they purchased. They, there was very little waste. And what we noted too was instead of really snacking, they did get some processed food. They really got involved in the cooking and the preparation of their own food. And they even cleaned up, which again, for me in the summertime, I come home usually to a kitchen full of dishes because nobody can find a dishwasher. But they actually cleaned everything up, which was, again, $75 investment to not hear there's nothing to eat and have your dishes cleaned up. It's like, thank you so much. But I think one of, one of your previous guests has talked a little bit about what goes on in a child's mind. But it really gets them, once you set that budget and you empower them, it takes them out of that conversation of what do I want versus what do I need. Um, and, and it really got them into that sort of mental thinking. I know I have seven days to make before I go grocery shopping again. What do I really need to get me through those seven days versus what do I want? And that has been sort of the exercise as we've gone on. That's become a recurring theme within the house, which has been fantastic. Well, you know, it's interesting. I get emails about the shows and what people like on the shows and what they're experiencing in their own homes. I think, believe it or not, one of the takeaways that our listeners are going to have is thank goodness, I'm not the only parent that complains about the kids not being able to find where the dishes go, where the dishwasher is, right? But you know, all joking aside, it's great. Was there any dialogue going on between the three of them that you weren't kind of orchestrating? Well, it's fascinating what happened. Like I said, we're now kind of on week four. And so what you see is everybody gets through week one and then we have this conversation, you know, before you go grocery shopping, what's left over now in the cupboards? What could you have done differently? And, you know, again, my 15 year old was adamant. Everything of his grocery packages first week got eaten, but he was, he was, he couldn't have done it without his cinnamon toast crunch. He said, that was dad, no matter what that I got that, that was, that was the best investment. It lasted me four days, but it was the most worthwhile. And my eldest who had bought this ground pork, really made the realization, you know, I could have maybe bought a little bit more of the fun stuff. I didn't necessarily have to have ground pork for seven meals or whatever the case may be. I could have maybe invested a little bit more. And so what we started to see with them, and it was nice too, because the grocery stores around here, they do essentially reduce price if you buy more than one item. And so when we took them to the grocery store the second week, what the kids started to do was work together and barter and say, you have $25, I have $25 it's a two for one deal on the following item, or it's a reduced price. If we buy two of these, I'll buy two of these. If you buy something over here. And so, you know, working in within the parameters of their budget, they were still gaining access to all the foods that they wanted and the food started to diversify a little bit, but they started to work together within that structure and really focus on what deals were available that week for them to take advantage of as a team kind of thing, which was, and again, you're just sitting back as a parent, 
this is a life lesson. This is something they're going to have to go through. And to see them be able to do that, I mean, my 17-year-old's off the university next year, and you, you hope he has the wherewithal to not just start budgeting, but cooking for himself and taking care of himself. But this is one of those life skills that you hope they take with them. And it's, it, it was pretty self-evident within the second week that they were doing it. So let me bring your professional life into this now, right? So you're dealing with grownups on a lot of these same subjects. So what do you see through your clientele at the grown-up level that in the back of your mind, and we won't talk about any in particular clients, right? Or you could just say, I have a friend who, right? (laughs) Of these clients, how many of them are you thinking to yourself, wow, they would have benefited from the grocery challenge back in the day? It's, it's, it's funny because it is, it's one of those lifelong skills you hope you learn early on, right? There, you know, majority of my clients um, who are on fixed income are very, very well aware of this situation. They, they've earned the money they're going to earn in their lifetime and they're on the drawing it down phase. And so we have this conversation each year, how much do you need to live? And they budgeted out sort of that thinking around things. So when it comes to luxury items or luxury purchases beyond their regular budget, it's a conversation of what that will do for their future earnings of, of the investments that we make. Um, but there is a conscious conversation that we try to have with all of our clients at that stage about this is the plan we set forth. We allocated this money for these types of things. Um, so I think it's, it's even if you haven't learned it early on, at some point in your life, you will ultimately learn it. The challenge has been in Canada um, especially as it relates to food. I think food is one of the most concrete things you bring in your house on a daily or a weekly basis. You digest it. It, it gets used within the house. Um, so there's a limited supply, but then you have to go get more of it. So it's something that's constantly changing in your house that you can demonstrably see um, as you go to the grocery store, how much you're buying and how much you're using for and eating. Um, ultimately, that in Canada, at least uh, over the last year, you know, food inflation's kind of been going a little bit off the rails and we're still at, at the most recently stats Canada put out 8% over last year's number, almost 9% uh, for the month of July. So it's hitting everybody, um, everybody's pocketbook at the end of the day, because we're all buying from the same stores up here. It, it impacts you differently based on your income levels, but ultimately food is the one thing in, at least in Canada, that I think most people would say after mortgage is probably the, the greatest expenditure within their home. Um, and so, Again, bringing it back to tangibles, it's it's a if you don't recognize it early on, at some point you're going to start to say, I just can't afford to buy these things in the store, or I don't have enough of it in the fridge to keep me going. Um, and so you have to start making a conscious decision about where the money's being allocated. Okay, so let's wrap this up and put a nice bow around it. Let's go through together the laundry list of all the things that your kids are getting out of the grocery store exercise. So. For one, budgeting, right? There's one. Um, the value of a dollar, that's another one. Inflation you just mentioned, and you probably have to have a conversation about interest rates while you're in there too, but we'll save that. That's a story for another day. Uh, collaborating with others to work as a team. Well, what else? What else am I missing in that list? Well, I think, you know, empowerment is one, obviously, and understanding that there's a limited resources and empowering the kids saying, this is your budget. You have this money to go and spend and to the fact we're actually putting into, my wife puts in their savings account. Um, so they actually draw that money down. And what's, again, what's is interesting too, again, negotiation skill comes up because not only you're bartering with the, the kids, you know, within each other as a, as a family unit, the kids actually came and said, there's a middle, our middle guy, mom, if I'm under budget each week, what happens to the extra money? What happens to the extra dollar or cents? And so my wife was like, you know what? You get that. So you can have that as a carryover amount, a dollar to whatever that is. 
but it's in your account to have now. So they're almost being incentivized to come up with finding the best deal. So that empowerment exercise leads into conversations about savings. It leads into conversations about, um, like you said, negotiating with each other and, and sharing the deals out and things like that. And this fourth week that just happened, the kids were actually going through all the flyers as a unit, finding the best deals in each grocery store and picking out, you know, elements from each store that they wanted to go buy. And I'll, I'll post some stuff later on my LinkedIn, but they got family sized pizzas for $1.99 and pork Slovakia skewers too for a dollar. So they really optimized their overall food budget, which was great. So, you know, talked about empowerment and savings, uh, negotiation, bargaining skills, budgeting, top of mind. Um, but again, it's, it, for me, it boils down to the fact that I see these kids, they're actually having fun going to the grocery store. Um, they're getting stuff that they want. It doesn't always have to be the healthiest option, something they really want and see value in. And they, they're understanding too, that money's not a, it, it, there's a finite resource to the money. Um, there's only so much that can go around. And, uh, and ultimately, you know, what you buy and what you spend your money on, you know, decreases your ability to, to maybe have more, that much more enjoyment or purchasing of other things later on. Well, bravo and kudos to you for number one, being super parent of the year and your <laughs> wife too, of course, but no number wife. two of uh, coming on and sharing that story with us. I think one of the points I've been trying to make with the people that listen to us is it is within your scope of knowledge today to have conversations about money with your kids. You don't need to be a certified financial planner or a professional to do it. You can just talk about money in the context of everything that you're already doing. And it's, it's interesting because while you are a financial advisor and you are equipped, I don't know that any of your financial planning skills really was paramount to success on this one. I think it was just that you were aware and you were paying attention and you saw this opportunity to have a coachable moment and you and your wife grabbed it and went for it. And even if, even if this experiment crashed and burned, it was still going to lead to a very good story. But I'm so happy that the story led to where it, it is now and best of luck to you. And thank you so much for sharing this with us. Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, Tom. I love what you do. I love the show. Um, I think, you know, now more than ever, empowering the youth and, and doing what you're doing is absolutely right. And it, we all have the tools, no matter how you relate to your kids, no matter how, um, what your profession is, absolutely right. This is just a conversation. It's similar to my mom with the fun pack cereals when we were growing up. I knew they were a luxury item and we got them on special occasions. And I knew it took out of our food budget. But, uh, you know, it, it was all relative to those conversations too. So I, I really appreciate this. Awesome. Thanks so much. It was great talking to you. I hope you enjoyed our episode of Total Sense. A special thank you goes out to Verso Studios at the Westport Library. Tune in for our next Money Chat.